Previously on Snicktoons. Special guest host Noel Reed from the X-Men Unraveled podcast returned to Snicktoons to help me break down X-Men the Animated Series Season 2 Episode 3, Whatever It Takes. And before we did that, we broke down some of our favorite pieces from our childhood X-Men collections, talking about video games and trading cards and action figures and all kinds of stuff. So make sure you go back and listen to last week's episode if you haven't, and stay tuned as special guest host and I will be breaking down X-Men the Animated Series, Season 2, Episode 5, no, Episode 4, Red Dawn. All right, bubs, as you heard at the top of the show, I am back with a guest host to break down today's X-Men, the animated series episode, and also explore some of our past fandom. And I'm very glad to have this guest back. He is the first guest host I had when I started bringing guest hosts on, and we are, like, super good friends now because I've been on his podcast a bunch of times, and he is back on ours. And I am pleased to welcome Brett Scott from Marvel+. Plus. Brett, welcome back. To Saturday morning Snick Tunes, man. Dude, it is a pleasure to be here, and I'm 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 thrilled that we get to talk about another kind of Wolverine centric episode. Yeah, when we had you on last, uh, I almost said last week. When we had you on last season, it was for the Sabretooth episode, and then today, yeah. of course, like you said, you know, another Wolverine episode. This is the introduction of another huge Wolverine villain. So. That worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if you remember last time, um, that was actually our top five we did was like Wolverine villains, and I remember talking about these, you know, this specific villain in that top five. So pretty cool, come full circle here. Yeah, yeah, it just worked out, you know, just the the way it all went down. It was like, hey, you want to come back for an episode? You're like, how about that one? It's like, perfect. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it worked, it worked out. Uh, you know, unfortunately, because of that, though, you didn't get to become my first returning guest host. Mm. Um, I've had Rob Luther, uh, who, who appeared on both of, uh, the first episodes of the show. And then of course I had Noelle Reed from X-Men Unraveled, uh, her, I had her back last week. So mm. yeah, you, you kind of lost the, uh, the authority you had as, uh, you That's know, right. the go-to guest host, but you can reclaim it with this one. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get it back. It'll be kind of like how every time I have you on, you try to get the longest podcast episode. <laughs> so it'll be like that. That'll yeah. be my thing. Like, can I get the most? appearances yeah yeah no i think you can i think you can for sure you just gotta you know claim as many episodes as you want i'll bring you back all right so one of the things i've been doing with my returning guests is uh just kind of talking about our childhood um, x-men collections and you know what we kind of use to stoke our fandom because you know my first two returning guests hosts their biggest introduction and, and biggest part of their fandom was this cartoon i know it's the same with you and so you know, being in the same generation as me and, and these other guest hosts, you kind of grew up not only uh, loving this cartoon show, but also being a huge X-Men fan because of it, huge Wolverine fan because of it. And on the last episode, you kind of talked a little bit about your comic collection that you had as a kid and how you're going through and like, you know, working on replacing that now as an adult and everything. But I wanted to talk to you 
you know, what other kind of X-Men stuff did you have as a kid? You know, were you a big toy guy? Like I had a lot of action figures, but I know not everyone was, was a toy guy. So like, what was, what was your X-Men collection like as a kid? Um, well, it was everything. Um, you know, you know, what's crazy is I listened to two weeks ago, you had on Rob two weeks in a row and, um, your guys' conversation just got me like all in the nostalgia feels, right? Like I was like everything you talked about. I'm like, yes, I know exactly what they're talking about. Like you described a lot of the the action figures that you had, and even um, you know, the Ninja Turtle stuff. Since Rob hosts the the Turtles podcast, you guys were talking a lot about um, even like Turtles action figures. And um, I think the week before you talked about video games. Um, it, it was like, and just all that, all that. I'm like, I was a huge turtles fan too. You know, obviously that was like that was beforehand. So my my fandom kind of went turtles and then probably Power Rangers, right? Cuz he talked about that too. Um and yep. then bled and then that became X-Men. Like it went from like, you know, it was all that Fox Kids stuff and it went from Power mm-hmm. Rangers to X-Men then to the comic books and then, um I was just whatever I was into as a kid, I was obsessed with. And so just for example, like when I was into the Ninja Turtles, everything was Ninja Turtles. I had every action figure I could get get my hands on. Um, I had uh, coloring books. I had, you know, the the big activity books. I had the video games. I had um, obviously all the movies, the cartoons, like, and like in my free time, this is this is kind of funny. So it started off as Ninja Turtles, but I would take paper plates. Okay, this is like my little art project. I would take paper plates, and I would make that center circle into a Ninja Turtle's face, right? So I do like the four turtles, different colored um, <laughs> headbands, and it, that that was it. And then I would cut out the circle, and that was, I would keep it. Like that was my thing. Um, eventually, and I would do this several times over. I must have had a hundred Ninja Turtles made out of paper plates. I'm sure my parents loved replacing all those paper plates. But um, that evolved into Power Rangers because they have a kind of unique round face too, right? So um, then I made all paper plates into Power Rangers. Now, unfortunately, when we got to X-Men, the, not all the X-Men's heads are shaped the same way, kind of like Power Rangers and, and Ninja Turtles. But um, mm-hmm. it was the same type of thing. Like if if I was into it, I had – I had the books, I had the coloring books, I had the toys, I had, you know, I drew, like, when I got into X-Men, I started making comic books, so, um, yeah, and but yeah, coloring books, everything X-Men, every video game I could get my hands on, um, I think you guys, you guys did touch on some of them, because I think he did an episode, something about, uh, he was talking about X-Men 2 Clone Wars, mm-hmm. that was such a cool game. Like I remember getting that and just thinking of how much of an upgrade it was from like what the graphics look like in X-Men compared to mm-hmm. X-Men 2 Clone Wars. And um I was like, oh, this is like a, this is a different world of obviously, I mean, it, it was both for Sega Genesis. It's the same bit system. It wasn't like that advanced, but it seemed like a different world. Um so yeah, just everything, man. I'm a 90s kid and we were like I feel like children of the 90s were like the ultimate kids to market to. Like if there was something you could make out of something to sell it to kids, they did that in the 90s, like more than any other generation. 
Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's perfect. Like, yeah, we were, we were raised as like suckers, you know, like yeah. if there's action figure commercials, video game commercials, like I remember getting psyched about Ninja Turtle cereal because yeah. of a commercial where like, you know, this kid is eating Ninja Turtle cereal, just having the time of his friggin' life. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, I'm like, oh, I, I like, I, my life won't be complete unless I eat this cereal too. Like that. Yes. Um, uh, but do you remember a game and it, it is not X-Men related at all, but just as nineties kids, um, where it was about, it was like this, you had this little like arena. I'm like, I'm making a square and you can't see it was like a little arena. Um, and you had these two little like blasters on either side and yes. in the middle of it was yes. a marble with like a yes. saw blade on it. And the goal was to shoot that thing with yeah. your own marbles and like get it into a goal or something. And it was called crossfire and, crossfire. The crossfire. <laughs> and it like yes. would echo. Yeah. Okay. It's like, yep. just, yep. That, that sums up our generation right there. Like we're nineties kids. If it sounds cool, we're going to yeah. buy it because it's on TV. Like, and that yes. was, like who you're shooting a marble at other marbles like what yeah. the heck but you know it was an awesome commercial so yeah yes <laughs> they, they, um, that, and if, if they could put a jingle to it they did in the 90s it was like everything it, but it was all extreme right like all the music was like extreme like thrashing oh, guitars yeah. um it, it was always like just up tempo like high energy stuff in the nineties. Everything was, I remember every commercial was like that. Like I remember the Mountain Dew commercials in the nineties were like just over the top. It was like, it was like, Hey, look, uh, I think the X games were just kind of coming into play. Right. And this was like every commercial for Mountain Dew was like people snowboarding and skateboarding and doing flips. And it, it was the extreme generation. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. Like we were one of the only generations that would like, we would wake up, we would watch Saturday morning cartoons and then we would eat our, you know, Ninja Turtle cereal and we'd go yep. outside and we'd grind. Cause you know, one of our, like, so in my, in my neighborhood, there was like maybe 10, 11 like boys that were all in the same grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of them, his dad was like super handy with tools and stuff. And so he welded a grind pole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'd all just go over to this kid's house and just take turns with our crappy roller blades that we got at like Target. And like we would try to grind on this pole and we all thought we were cool because we all had our own wax, you know, like and then yeah. after that, it's like, all right, well, grinding time is over. Time to go play some video games. And then, you know, and then we'd all be in someone's basement playing Doom or whatever on the PlayStation um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that was just how nineties kids were. It was like, we're going to spend a little bit of time indoors and then outdoors and indoors again. And like, you know, we didn't yeah. have rules and stuff. Yeah. I feel like we were a great blend of, you know, like, whereas like a lot of today's kids, you know, they, they don't play outside as much as we did. I mean, they, I, I think it's a little exaggerated. I, I really do. Cause I mean, my kids, mm-hmm. like, honestly, my kids were out today shoveling snow for money. Like that was you know, and that was, it just, it took me back. It was like, oh, I remember doing that. Like, um, and it was hilarious because they had like not the best understanding of like what it was going to be like because it was their first time doing it. And they're like, um, the, I said, yeah, man, why don't you guys go around and, and kind of ask people, um, uh, if you could show their driveway. And they're like, I was like, well, how much are you going to charge them? And they just, you know, no concept of what they should charge. They're just like, I don't know, $5. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to charge more than five dollars. It's it's really hard work, guys. And I was like, and you know, when I was a kid, I charged more than that. So they go and they um um, so they start 
you know the phrase, don't count your chickens before they hatch? <laughs> so my kids were sitting there. When I told them, okay, charge, I said, ask for 20 bucks, you know, maybe, you know. And they said, um, okay, okay. So they're like, all right, if we, if we charge $20 a house and we do, and a house takes 20 minutes to do the whole driveway, then we can, they're, and they figured it all out, and they're like, we can make like $135 an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I think it's going to be a little more difficult than you might realize. It's like, first of all, let's focus on getting someone to to let you do it. And then, um, and then I promise you it's going to take you more than 20 minutes per driveway. So they were like, no, no, we got this. We got, they came back like five hours later, like, we got two houses. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, but yeah, anyway, the, the total, like, went off on a tangent there, but we, in 90s kids, I feel like we're this perfect generation, right? We were, like, indoors video games. We got criticized by the older generation for that, but at the same time, we still knew how to play outside. Like, we'd go out in the snow all day and have snowball fights and build forts and all that, you know, to ride our bikes outside all day. Um, oh, yeah. it, it was a good blend, I think. Definitely, definitely agree. So... Did you okay? So you had the uh, the games for the Sega Genesis. Did you ever play uh, Mutant Apocalypse on the yes. Super Nintendo? Yes. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I was <laughs> that was a good one, dude. Because um, yeah, I was gonna bring that up too because that was another one where it was like it felt like the graphics were so more advanced at the time. I just remember getting games, and even if it was on the same system, you know, you'd be like, "Wow, this is like the graphics, guys. Look at this!" Like, but you know, it's like it couldn't have been that much. Kind of been that much more great. No. Uh, so I have a, I have a Retron now, um, a Retron three. So it plays NES, Super NES, and Sega, mm-hmm. and it's like the HD version. So it's plugged in. And when you play those old games, like they they don't look as good no. <laughs> as I remember them looking no. on my old like crappy you know eighteen inch CRT television that I had that was like a, yeah. a, a VHS player and a TV and one you know. With, Oh gosh, yeah. it was like just an awful TV, probably weighed like 800 pounds, you know. Yeah. Um and those games, dude, like they looked so good on those TVs, like cuz I remember just like playing those games and being like, "Oh my gosh, these look so good." And then I yeah. I plug it into my like 50-inch TV and it does not look good. But no. um Clone Wars looks best of the three like Sega Super yeah. Nintendo games, like Clone Wars or yeah, Clone Wars still looks really good. And the soundtrack yeah. is is amazing. <laughs> the music they put, dude. Sega always had such good music on their games, but the Clone Wars soundtrack is really like I'd I'd jam out to that now if I had it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that the um the music was always great back then. Like I even today I like to go on, if you go on YouTube, there's a whole like genre of um eight bit music, mm-hmm. and it, and you can find any song that you love. In an 8-bit version, it sounds like you're, you're playing Sega Genesis. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, do you remember – so one thing I – like I, whenever I talk about the 90s figures, one thing I never get to talk about – I always forget to bring these up when, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm having my conversations. But um, did you remember like in the early 90s they had like Mad Max – um, and it was like the kid who was like a monster hunter and his, his toys were like these little play sets that would like fit in the palm of your hand and mm-hmm. you'd like open it 
um, you know, like a, you know, like a briefcase, you know, but you're a kid. So not really, it was like a flip phone, you know, and you'd, yeah. you'd pop it open. It would have like this one little, like a, a little character that was like this big. Uh, and then it would have like a, a one little action thing. Well, they made a, a wave of those for X-Men called pocket comics. And the front okay. of it was, yeah, you're shaking your head. You're like, oh, I remember the, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. like on the front of it was like an actual cover from like the comics. And then it would have like one little thing and you'd pop it open and, um, I've actually managed to track down there. They did eight of them. I managed to track down all eight of them still in the package. Um, and I have, I had doubles of the spy Wolverine that came with, uh, I think it's Omega red. So I think it's like spy Wolverine and Omega red in this little, uh, pack. And so I had, I had two of those ones. So I opened it. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to like go back through, but I've, I've been waiting until I find like a good enough display. Cause I actually want to open them and just put them on display, like display yeah. open and everything with just mm-hmm. the box art behind it. But yeah, I, I had uh, a couple of those growing up. I had the one with, uh, it was like a blackbird and it had Cyclops and Magneto. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that one and I had one with like Professor X. I think it's Professor X and Juggernaut. Um, and I don't remember what like the little action feature was, but. That's like one of the one of the things I'm proud of. It's like I've tracked all those down thanks to eBay and and I have like a whole complete set. Uh but those were awesome. Did you ever have any of those? Those like pocket comics or like the metal mutants even? Yeah, I didn't have those, but what you're saying it's reminding me of actually because we were talking about Ninja Turtles, right? Do you remember those little like Ninja Turtle ones that they were it's probably not what you're describing with the the pocket comics thing, but it was you remember Polly Pocket? Like girls would yeah. have Polly Pocket, right? Yeah. It was like the boys' version of Polly Pocket. And you would like open mm-hmm. up a turtle shell, and there would be like a little like um, might be like the the turtle's den in there, and like little tiny turtles, like <laughs> like quarter inch turtles that you'd play with in there. Yeah, you remember that? Oh, absolutely. I think they had. I, I swear, I thought they had X Men versions of that, like the little. Yeah. But I just don't remember what it was called. Like, it wasn't called Polly Pocket. It was called something else for... No, that's what the Pocket comics are. It's like, it's the okay, little, okay, okay. It's like the size of your hand, right? And, like, when mm-hmm. it's closed, it has, on the front of it, it looks like a comic. And then you can okay. flip it open, and it has, like, one little playset thing in there. And yeah. then, yeah, it comes with the little figure that's, like, you know... Yeah, super small. Big yeah. or so. Yeah. That was yeah. those. Okay, so, th- okay. so they did eight of those. I sh- I'll send you some pictures on Instagram, dude. Okay. Like, they're cool. And I, yeah, I've got all of them. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It, you're, you're reminding me of stuff now. Okay, so for my, my birthday in fourth grade was an X-Men cake. You know, I, it'd be hard, I think, these days to find an X-Men cake. But, like, it was the um the ones with the little plastic figures on top that you could keep. And I had, like, a Wolverine and a Cyclops. Um <laughs> I don't remember who else. I just remember I kept it forever. Like, I played with that Wolverine like it was an action figure, but, you know, it was one of those really static, like, didn't move at all. Um, had the, had the like, surfboard base on it, but I still just played with it, like, with my other toys. Um, but I had, I had a lot of X-Men toys. I had a lot of X-Men toys. Um, it, like I said, it went from Turtles to X-Men. Um, but, like... I remember last episode or two episodes ago, you were talking about that apocalypse projector. I had that. 
I was like, when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, yes, I forgot about that. And I did the same thing where I didn't always use it as a projector. I just used it as like, oh, it's giant apocalypse. He's like grown really big. And you'd fight your regular size figures with it. Yes. Um, Then I had like a war-torn Wolverine. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was something like that where his like his his suit had like slashes and rips in it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I have maybe the most boring figure ever, the Professor X figure that you just <laughs> take around. Uh, but yeah, yeah, man, that that was that was another thing that I really got into was the action figures. Yeah, oh, dude, I I I don't have a single memory of like going to a mall between like, like 1990 and 1995 that I didn't come home because you know um, California, Colorado, we had a KB store, mm-hmm. KB toys in every mall. Um, so like we'd go to the mall and I'd behave, you know, I'd stand there and I'd follow my parents and I would, you know, I'd shut my mouth and I'd just do, you know, whatever. And then at the end of the time, they'd be like, well, right, you know, you were well behaved. Do you want to go to the toy store? And be like, yes, like this is the, this is what I've been waiting my whole week for, you know? And so we'd go into, into KB and they always had sales. They were always having like three for nine 99 or or whatever, three for nine. I, like it's no wonder they went out of business, you know, like yeah. they're always selling their action figures for a third of the price, but we'd, we'd always go. And so I'd always get like at least, uh, and it wouldn't always be an X-Men, you know, sometimes it would be a power ranger or it would be a couple GI Joes, you know, maybe a Ninja turtle. If, you know, there was a cool one that was out, uh, but mostly it was X-Men. And, uh, I would, I would always, I, I, like, I don't have a single memory of ever going to a mall and not coming home with a new action figure. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, more often than not, it was an X-Man. Um, although I do have, one, I have one memory, um, when I was, I must have been like seven or eight. Like I was still pretty, so this would have been like 92, 93. And my dad didn't come into the store with me. He's just like, yeah, go ahead, go in there and look around and I'll be out here. And I remember like seeing a toy and been like, oh my gosh, I gotta ask my dad if I can get this. And like running outside, with the toy in my hand to go show my dad, hey, dad, can I get this, you know? And, like, the alarm blares and everything, you know, and you're thinking, like, oh, crap, I'm going to jail now because, wow. you know, you're a kid. So you don't understand that the toy, that the people in the store would just be like, yeah, you can't go outside with that, you idiot. Like, yeah. call your dad in here, you know, with his, make sure he brings his wallet. Uh, but, no, so, I, that was, yeah, I have a memory. And I'm pretty sure that that was, like, I have a distinct memory of walking around that mall later out later on in that in the day and it was a man bat action figure that i had actually picked out uh-huh. which i wasn't a huge batman fan as a kid like the the batman cartoon on like my saturday morning channel was always like the first of the big kid cartoons so i was still mm-hmm. sleeping like so i kind of missed out on batman the animated series as a kid um, and then mm-hmm. later on when i became a batman fan i, I revisited the show and was like <laughs> how did i miss this like this is amazing but yeah. um i had a man bat because like on the back i'm like on the back of the man bat was like a little button. And if you push it, his wings would flap. Mm. So I was like, I remember flying him around the mall and stuff and like looking at all the other kids and be like, yeah, my toy is dope. Like when I think back on my childhood, I'm like, man, I was kind of a spoiled kid, but like, I didn't have like big expensive things, but I had a lot of action figures. Yeah. Same, same thing is like, that was what I got was action figures. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, Oh, you got, all these big gifts and action figures it was like, that's all I wanted. I wanted action figures or I wanted, um, you know what? I remember what I was going to say. 
it, because the more we talk <laughs> about this stuff, it brings back uh, memories of when I was really into X-Men and when I was first getting into comics. And, um, you know, back then there was no there was no Internet. Uh, it, this was like 95 ish. I mean, like the Internet was brand new, pretty much. Um, the, I think there was like four websites and then like AOL, you know, it's like <laughs> so I uh I remember you'd get all your information like in the back of comics or in the back of like Wizard Magazine. You'd find out about um, comic conventions and things like that. And, you know, I comic conventions back then aren't the spectacle that they are today. Um, they there were bigger ones like there was a San Diego. There was a New York Comic Con, but they weren't like people think of them today. Like they were not these huge like movie star ridden. My dog's, my dog's like, I don't know if you can hear my dog, but she's sitting at my feet, like going like, um, so, um, comic conventions. Okay. In the nineties. So I don't know this comic convention from that comic convention. I just see an ad that says Columbus, Ohio, come to the Columbus, Ohio comic convention. And, and there you tons of back issues and blah, blah, blah. And that was basically, it was a swap meet. You know what I mean? It was like at a hotel. Yeah. You go in. And um, I remember, like, my dad took me. My first ever comic book convention. I was still pretty new to comics. And my dad really knew nothing about comics. So we go into this place, and I, at the time, was looking for Wolverine number one. It was, like, this thing that I had to find. And I knew at the time it was running, like, it was, like, it was worth $40. I remember seeing it in the back of Wizard and going, man, that's a, I, I, I want that. And I don't mind spending 40. I, I got all my money. I'm going to get it. And, um, I didn't understand how things worked that, that you could really, you could like negotiate in mm-hmm. prices and stuff, right? I just thought if it's worth $40, that's how much you pay for it, right? So we yeah. go in and I was like so embarrassed when my dad tried to talk the guy down from $40. Like, <laughs> I remember he was like, tell you what, bud, I'll give you 20 bucks. I'm like, dad, what are you talking about? It's worth 40. Wizard magazine says forty dollars. Yeah, like I'm like you're making us you're making us look cheap. Like what are you doing? Um, and the guy ends up selling it to us for I think twenty bucks or twenty five bucks or something, right? <laughs> and um, and um, but that was my first ever lesson in like negotiation. Like you know, everything has a price and everything can be negotiated. Like especially when it comes to selling person to person. So. That was my first experience ever where I had no idea you could even do that. And my dad showed me like, oh, yeah, you can always offer a lower price and and get something for a better deal. So, yeah, and that was my first ever experience with that was a Wolverine number one. Wow. I was so excited to to get it. Like, it was so crazy to, you know, I recently found it again um, at like a garage sale. And I think I think I paid like. 10 bucks for it or 15 bucks for it or something like that. Um, and it's still running like it's worth like 30 bucks, you know, supposedly. Um, but it, it, same feeling again, opening it up. It took me back to that comic book convention and like, you know, going through the pages and it was like, ah, and that's something your show has been doing for me a lot, especially with the, with the Saturday morning snick tune stuff is like every guest you have on is going down this whole like nostalgic <laughs> trail from their childhood. And it's taking me right with them because, most of us are all pretty much the same generation um, mm-hmm. grew up in the same time and, and have like very similar experiences, even though we live in all different parts of the country. So it's crazy. 
It's, so that's fun to hear because, like, growing up as a kid, I always just assumed that, like, I was the only one that knew about X-Men, you know? Right. Um, even though it was on TV and, like, everyone watches TV. But I always just felt like I was the only kid that, that liked X-Men or knew about X-Men. Because it was like, yes. whenever I'd go to Target or whatever, there would always be X-Men toys on the shelf. So I was just assumed that, like, no one else was buying them except me. Um, and then, yeah, talking to you from Ohio and then Noel in Colorado and then Rob in, like, Tennessee. And it's, like, all these people across the country, different regions, different parts, and they're, like, they all grew up playing the same games and buying the same toys. It's, like, oh, man, that's that's so cool. Like, we all had the exact same experience, even though we're, you know, four corners of the country. And, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun, though, hearing all the different stories and stuff and, and getting to relive that myself, too. <laughs> you know what's you know what's so crazy about it, too? The reason it seemed like we were so alone back then is, like, you'd go to school and, the kids weren't talking about what happened on the latest X-Men. Like, you know, I I think I knew one or two other kids who watched X-Men in my school. You know, it's like my entire grade, the one or two other kids made mm-hmm. I mean, Now I look back and I'm like, well, they just didn't admit it or they just didn't talk about it because clearly millions of kids were watching this show. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I, I like, think I... about that sometimes. Like it, we felt so like kind of like, you know, you think of like being a comic book nerd or whatever. It's like, oh, I must be the only person into this. Then you grow up and you realize, like, oh, there's a whole world of these people just like me. <laughs> Turns out we're a billion dollar industry. Wow, who knew? Like, who knew? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, growing up, it's like I felt like if I talked Ninja Turtles, everyone everyone knew about Ninja Turtles. There's the movies, the cartoons, the toys. Everybody knew about it. And Power Rangers, for whatever reason, like Power Rangers was the one that like every kid in my grade was obsessed with the Power Rangers, uh, you know, and I, and I'm no exception. Uh, but I think for me, Power Rangers was like the other cool show that I liked, but didn't quite love it as much as X-Men because like I had X-Men yeah. cards and I had X-Men toys and I had X-Men comics and my sisters liked X-Men and that sort of thing, you know, but like there were no Power Ranger cards and there were no, you know, my right. sisters didn't like Power Rangers. There were no Power Rangers comics or whatever. But, like, all the kids right. at school liked Power Rangers. Even, like, like I think I only had two or three Power Ranger toys. Um, and I didn't know too many kids that had a whole lot of Power Ranger toys. But, like, what we used to do is we'd get out of school and I'd come home and my grandma would be like, you know, go, go play outside until the friggin' sun goes down because, you, you hooligan, like, you're going to wreck the house if you stay inside. So get out. Uh, and like, I would just yep. get on my bike and I lived like right behind my house was a middle school. Uh, and in California, you know, like everything's outdoors other than like the classrooms themselves. So like the, the gym, there's no like indoor gym, like all the basketball courts, they're outside and everything. So we just had this massive blacktop outside, um, in, in this school behind my house and like all the neighborhoods, you know, they're all the streets and stuff around there. There are all these kids my age and we just go down there and like, pretend to be the Power Rangers and we'd like kick the dirt, you know, and, and punch the basketball, you <laughs> yeah. know, the, the pole and everything. And then we'd be like, it's morphin time. And we'd get in our Zords. So we just get in our bikes and like ride in a single file line. And that was us in our Zords and stuff. Like, yeah, dude, we were huge, huge dorks. But like all those kids that I played like Power Rangers with and Turtles with, like, I, I don't remember any of them ever talking X-Men with me. There were like yeah. two or three kids that were like in neighborhoods around my neighborhood that I traded some cards with. Like, I think I had, I had like two sets of like that original X-Men line. And so I traded one of my sets of those for a full set of like the Marvel, um, I think it was just Marvel superheroes line. Uh, so I had like the original 
X-Men line and then like a second X-Men line. And then I got the Marvel superheroes. And I remember getting really excited one day. Uh, some kid, some random kid I met at the park is like, Hey, that's my house right there. Do you want to come inside? And you know, back then you're just like, yes, perfect stranger. I'll come into your house. Of course, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we just like went in the kid's bedroom and he has like a tarantula and I'm terrified of spiders. So I'm like all the way on the other side of his bedroom and I look down and he's got a stack of wizard magazines. And I was like, uh-huh. dude, you like wizard magazines? You know, like, cause I'd yeah. never heard, like, so yeah. So we ended up bonding over wizard magazines, but I never went back to that kid's house because a tarantula <laughs> in his bedroom. No. Yeah. Not yeah. For, no, thanks. Not me. <laughs> no, thanks. No, thanks. Yeah. Like, giant spiders. Weird, are... like... <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I, um, I, I have a similar story in my neighborhood. There was one kid who was into comic books, but I didn't know about it. I had to like hear about it, like from someone else through the grapevine. And he's like, um, he's like, uh, Hey man, you know, Aaron lives down the street. He's into comic books too. And I was like, what? And like, I remember he was a, it was a great older than me. And I remember, um, then deciding like, well, I have to make friends with him because like I knew of him, but I wasn't his friend. And so like, I just, started making small talk about like x-men and stuff and i remember making a complete fool out of myself our first ever conversation because he was a huge comic book nerd huge x-men guy and he had like i had at the time like maybe like three comic books like i was that new to comics and he had like hundreds in albums and stuff you know that the little albums that you like go through and um i I went up to see his collection in his bedroom or something. He was like, Oh, what comics do you have? I was like, Oh, well, I got this, uh, I got this Wolverine comic. Um, and in the, in the comic, he fights Vindictator. And, uh, <laughs> he said, what did you say? I was like, yeah, it says, it says on the cover, it says Wolverine versus the power of the Vindictator. <laughs> he was like, you idiot. That's Vindicator. And it's like, you know, totally like nerd one upped me and made me feel like a, a even bigger dork. Like, but yeah, I remember that was the first time I was like, you can, you can even be an outsider in the group of outsiders where they're like, you're not as nerdy as we are. So yeah. 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 You're the you're the jubilee, you know, of all the of all the comic yes. book fans. Them being the X Men, and you're stuck as the jubilee, and you're like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, uh, all this stuff is so cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of good memories. Um, I think I was telling you uh, back at Christmas time, um, my my youngest son had picked out uh, as a Christmas gift for me the um, I guess Hasbro owns Tiger Electronics now or something like that. Oh and yeah. So. They've recently started releasing all their old like LCD handheld games, and he got me the X Men one where you where you play as Cyclops, um, and then you can like call in Wolverine to assist, and you fight what is it like Juggernaut and Apocalypse I think. Um, yeah. And I and I remember you telling me that you had that too. Like, do you remember when you got that? It must have been around that same time, like fourth to fifth grade. So, um, and, and there was a whole line of those, right? There was like all different things. I think there was a Power Rangers game, just like it. Um, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Any anything you could think of um, that that was cool to kids at the time. But yeah, I remembered that exact game and um, that that beautiful, beautiful, terrible game. <laughs> like those games were so bad. At like, but it it was so great. Like getting it was so cool. I remember getting it. I got it for Christmas one year. And um, oh, nice. 
and, and you know, at this time, we already have Sega Genesis and stuff. So this is like definitely a downgrade, but it was still the coolest thing. <laughs> like I could play this in the car while we're driving places. <laughs> like Game Boy and Game Gear was out even, would you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the, this like crappy two button game that has yeah. just awful graphics because it's just an L, it's just it's moving black lines on like a staticky brown background screen. It has no yep. there's no backlighting, so it was like as soon as the sun went down in the car, you're like, well, I can <laughs> hold it, like I, I, I could I could try to play. Hopefully, yeah. you know, on the highway there's enough street lights that yeah. every every thirty seconds I'll be like, oh yeah, oh dang, I gotta, oh yeah, <laughs> you know. It was terrible. You know, that's the funny is like also the 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 more the the more terrible games were back then, the harder they were as well. Like I don't know if, if you noticed that, but like you know the first games that came out on like Nintendo, like the Wolverine game, it's incredibly difficult. Like I, it's, it's, and then even when you go to Sega Genesis, like the first X Men game is so much harder than the second X Men game. It's oh, insane yeah. how hard games used to be. Yeah, you, it hasn't come out yet, but but my episode that I did last week with Noel, we talked about the first X-Men game on Sega, and how mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think, like, neither her or I had ever gotten past the first level. Luckily, her brother was really good at video games, so, like, he would beat the hard stuff for her, and then she'd get to play. I didn't have yeah. that, so it was like, I'd just play the first level over and over, never get past, like, I don't even ever think I got to the first boss, Um Who's yeah. a juggernaut? Like I've rewatched on on YouTube, like the long play because it's like forty minutes. I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure I I spent forty minutes just dying on the first level. You mean to tell me like I could have had the whole game beaten? But you know, so I feel satisfied because I've seen the end credits. You know, but like I yeah. I wasn't the one pushing the buttons. I've never been able to get past that first level. And as an adult, having that game, it's like, yeah, I think somehow this game has gotten harder over time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I, it wasn't just X-Men. It was like every game back then. Like the Ninja Gaiden games. Um, like oh. I, I, just, I just remember every game for like Nintendo was incredibly difficult. Yes. Maybe get through like one or two levels. I think the only game, like the only NES game that I ever beaten as a kid was like Turtles 2, the arcade game. Because mm-hmm. my cousin came and slept over. My cousin came for a sleepover one night, and he was like five or six years older than me, and he was awesome at video games. So we yeah. beat Turtles 2, the arcade game. And I think that's the only time I've ever beaten an NES game until I was like 25, maybe. <laughs> you know, like I love that game, dude. I love that game. That's one of my favorite games for Nintendo. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's great. It's and. I know that it's like blasphemous to say this, but like the the NES port is better than the arcade version. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that <laughs> game. Um, and 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 you know that that reminds me too that is I another game that it took me years to figure out how to beat the first level, Wolverine Adamantium Rage. Like, oh, I could uh-huh. not figure out <laughs> for the life of me like what's the goal here? What? How do you win? You would beat all these like little mechanical things over and over and over, like thousands of them. Like it never amounted to anything. I could not figure it out. Yeah, years yeah. went by before I saw level two of Adamantium Rage. That so that's where I'm at with like Mutant Apocalypse, right? Because so I brought that one up a little bit earlier today. It's a really great game. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I think I've only beaten the first level, the first Wolverine level, once. And I don't think I've ever beaten the Psylocke level 
or the Gambit level or the Cyclops level. <laughs> like, yeah. I've only beaten the Wolverine level, and like, I've only managed to do it the one time. And and they have they have like four or five levels per character, something like that. So, mm-hmm. like, you beat that first Wolverine level, and like to get to the next wolverine level like you still have to go through and like beat all the other like yeah. stage one levels so i'm like oh i got to the end and i won and and now i can't get past the cyclops level so yeah i had, another I had never those. played a, i had never played a game like that like but that's an interesting way to do it like the that you had to beat it with a specific character you couldn't switch out the characters like you could in like mm-hmm. clone wars um yeah it was interesting and it, also made me insane at the same time because yeah it was like I don't even want to play the Psylocke level like can I just skip that one and play the yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I hear you uh, that's kind of how I was on uh, like Clone Wars like I hated playing as Beast and Psylocke as a kid because they were like the melee characters like but they didn't have like Wolverine's cool uh, cloth slash so I would usually play as like well, I think when I first got it I would play as like Cyclops or Gambit because you can stand all the way across the screen and you know zap them or, or throw yes. your cards um, eventually I moved into like the Wolverine Nightcrawler where it's kind of like the middle range uh, melee yeah. but they're still pretty quick plus they've got you can like climb on the walls and stuff uh, that's actually the game that I have to I have to fault for like turning me into a, such a huge Nightcrawler fan uh, because up until yeah. I started playing that game, like my favorite was was Wolverine. Like obviously my favorite character is Wolverine. Like from the cartoon, Wolverine and Gambit were like the two coolest characters. And right. As a little boy, uh, th- those are the characters that you like when when you're a little boy. So those are the characters that I liked. Uh, but like you know, comic cards and random comics and stuff. I was kind of like a my 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 sleeper favorites were Colossus and Angel. Um, Colossus uh, from like Pride of the X Men and, and the arcade game, and then Angel. I don't know why. I just I always liked his action figures and his cards. I just thought it was cool to have like these big metal wings and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like I liked Nightcrawler in the arcade game, and I and I liked him in in Pride of the X Men. Uh, but he wasn't really like a standout favorite because I was just like, oh, he like he teleports away, big deal. Uh, but then in Clone Wars, dude, where like you can teleport behind a guy and then like jump kick as you're coming out of your teleport, and I was. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh man! Like you can you can use the teleport to attack. Like this is awesome. Like this character is rad. Um, and then of course yeah. his his episode on uh, on the animated series is like, how do you not love Nightcrawler after that episode? He's just so perfectly written and, and such a great character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think um they they showcase his power so well too in uh, the beginning of X two, like that. Oh yeah, I mean, it, 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 it it was such a good way to maybe people who didn't know who he was, like, introduce him because you didn't have to figure out that he was a badass. It was, like, right off the bat, you're like, this is badass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, so this guy, like, he doesn't mess around. Like, oh, perfect. Yeah, no, I I, I loved uh, that that opening sequence of X2. I mean, I love X2, uh, but that opening sequence, yeah. the, the attack on the White House, like, I would say of all the X-Men movies that we have, and there's, what, like, 11... 14 X-Men movies or something. If you <laughs> yeah. include like Deadpool and new mutants and all that, um, mm. like that scene is still like a top three scene of all yeah. of the X-Men movies. Like I'd put that up there. This kind of sounds weird, but like my favorite scenes uh, is probably that scene. And then like as cheesy as the scene kind of was with like the gravity defined stuff, but like 
from the funeral until the capsule hotel in the Wolverine, that whole sequence, like at the funeral and then like on the Shinkansen, like the roof yeah. part, you know, where, and then like when they get, and I'm like, this scene's kind of dumb and it's like, it's a little over the top, but like, I just love it. Cause it's just Wolverine, like just pure Wolverine mayhem. Um, and then the scene, uh, again, like, I don't know what this says about me, but the scene in first class where Eric goes to that like German bar in Argentina yeah. and he kills the Nazi guys. Yeah. That scene, dude, every time I watch them, Ooh, like I get goosebumps. Like it's an amazing yeah. scene. <laughs> Those are like my three yes. scenes of, of all of the X-Men. Movies. Now, um, it, it, was that, okay. So was this scene in the Wolverine? Is that the one where, um, after that part, after the funeral, after the like the train scene and all that stuff like that goes down. Um this is the one where he walks through the village and they like shoot him full of arrows. Yes. And they have like oh with like it, it was like grappling arrows and they they just like pinned him. Oh my god, that was so amazing. No, I, I and that is kind of over the top. It's like that's ridiculous. But oh. it's very much what you would see like in a Wolverine comic. Yes, uh, I mean we we all know that the Wolverine, the 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 2013 the Wolverine movie was mostly based and inspired based on and inspired by Wolverine Volume One, right? The Claremont Miller four issue yeah. miniseries of, of Wolverine in Japan, um, and like you just you can't do Wolverine in Japan taking on a hundred ninjas or fifty samurai without letting it get a little over the top, and like the imagery yeah. in that scene where he's like storming that village. Is is so on par with with Miller's artwork though, like that. That's an amazing scene as well. I might have I might have to steal that from you and and use yeah. that to bump out the. I just like the fact that he's like on a Shinkansen that's going like three hundred miles an hour, and he oh, just it's yeah. so dumb and so perfect. <laughs> but but like 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 I was saying, it's it's straight out of the comic. It's very faithful to like comic book version of Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it even has like a, a little bit of like Sylvester influence as well, because like, Sylvester mm. would draw when he would draw Wolverine in Volume Two, he would always do like the psychological stuff, you know. So Wolverine would always like have this this vision of himself in his head with like all these spikes and adamantium spikes and stuff like coming out of his skin, because that's like that's how he would he would you know what physically manifest the equation yeah. of of that pain, you know. Uh, and, and so Sylvester, he would always do that too. Like when he was drawing Wolverine, there would always be those lines coming off of him. And like you get that, that, uh, that, uh, symbolism in, in the Wolverine as well with that scene with, with the arrows. And like you said, with like the, they were like chain arrows or, or rope arrows or whatever where they're holding him down. Mm -hmm. Like you get that too. And it's like, I think at one, eventually when Wolverine is like pops his claws and like cuts all this stuff off and he just does like this bestial, like just this raging yes. scream. And you're like, yeah, like that's, that's my Wolverine right there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, man, that's, that, that movie is, uh, extremely underrated. Like, I don't know how oh, people absolutely. don't have that, <laughs> like as a, as a top tier X-Men film. It, it's one of the best. I think it's because it gets overshadowed by Logan, you know, because Logan yeah. was just like, oh, man, I, Logan, you know, what, what, what can I say about Logan that hasn't already been said? I mean, it was, it was it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect. Yeah. Film. <laughs> Sometimes I imagine that that scene that we were just talking about with all the arrows in him in an R-rated film. 
like how much more epic that would have been. That would have been so crazy. Because even in my head, it seems way bloodier than it actually was in the film The Wolverine because it was a PG-13 yeah. film. Um, yeah, yeah. But like I imagine it so much darker than it actually was. But if if we could have seen that in an R-rated version, like oh, it it could have only been better. I feel like, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I I could swear that when the when the 2013 The Wolverine came out on on like Blu-ray, they did mm-hmm. a version that they called like the Untamed version. I'm probably confusing it with the actual video game for the movie. But like I thought that they'd done one that was like they bumped it up to an R rating because they added a bunch of the blood. Uh, but it was like it was all done in post, you know, so it wasn't like they filmed yeah. it that way and, you know, did the effects, which makes it a little different. You know, it's like yeah. CGI blood and stuff like that. I don't know. It just doesn't look quite as right. But, yeah, I, I would love to see that scene rated R and like in black and white with only the mm-hmm. blood in red, you know, like Sin City style almost like Yes. Just like stark whites and like just full black, like pure blacks, um, like hardly any shading at all, you know, just black and you white. Imagine, you imagine a Frank Miller's Wolverine film, <laughs> like just like the Frank Miller Sin City or, or 300, like in that style where it like <laughs> kind of replicates his art style. And that would be that would be so good. Yes. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Let's uh, let's call Robert Rodriguez and uh, and Frank Miller right now <laughs> yeah. and be like, "Hey guys, I got yeah. something for you." <laughs> Since apparently Robert Rodriguez isn't going to get invited back for Star Wars, uh, which is too yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess like, his episodes of uh, Book of Boba Fett didn't didn't go over so well with some fans. So. <laughs> eh, what are you going to do? I. <laughs> And not to take us off on a on another tangent, but Book of Boba Fett should not really be called the Book of Boba Fett. I don't think at this point it, more than half the episodes don't have Boba Fett in them at all at this point. I've liked every episode, but like yeah, the, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like the two best episodes of the series so far have it. He's he wasn't even in one, and he was in the other one for like what all of ten seconds, and didn't even have a he like you know he did the people's eyebrow, and that was it. Like that was yeah. his, all the acting that he did in this one episode. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how the finale goes. Uh, hopefully, there's a lot more Boba. I just I want to see. Okay, I don't know if I want more Boba Fett. Like we, should, we probably should have prefaced this with spoiler alert. Because I don't know. Yes. Uh, but like, I, don't I, I, I just, we didn't do I want too a scene much. of Boba. No, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Um, I want a scene of Boba riding into battle on a Rancor. That's it. Like, you want to focus on whoever else for the whole episode, fine. But like, give me that one scene in the finale and like, yeah. well, I'll, I'll chalk it up to being a great series. Yeah. This is, this is a series based on a guy that forever, like his mystique was like just this badass. And he hasn't done one badass thing. Uh, I don't think this entire series. I'm just waiting. Like, please show him in that light. Please. <laughs> I don't know. The one scene was cool where he's in the slave one, or I guess the fire spray. Uh, yeah. And he's shooting the biker gang, you know, as revenge. That was, that was cool. It's a little dark. It's a little dark. I did, I did like his fight when he gets attacked in the tank. Mm. That, that was, yeah, I, I don't want to. Like ruin it for anyone, but that scene was was pretty damn cool. I like the um in the in the premiere episode where they're him and Fennec are like in this encircled by the guys with like the shields and stuff, and the one mm-hmm. dude's like climbing up the wall and he just like 
puts his uh, his like arm cannon up there, just like Iron Man's him, you know, shot, shoots a missile right off his wrist, yeah. and just bl- that was cool. But yeah, we haven't seen him do do a whole lot. So I'm I'm hoping like by the time you know Book of Boba Fett season two comes out, he's he's more Tony Soprano um, and less yeah. what Tony two. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever it was that was a uh, you know a, a, a much softer Tony was mm-hmm. that Steve was it Steve Buscemi that was Tony too is that who that was it was like the Tony. you know cousin Tony you remember in Sopranos because there was like he had a cousin that was also named Tony and they called him Tony too wasn't that Steve Buscemi I don't I don't think so it might have it might have been it might have been it's it's been a long time since I've watched the, the I I, should, I gotta watch the promos again. <laughs> well, going, welcome to the everything nerd and pop culture variety <laughs> hour. <laughs> oh man, this I think this is the most off topic uh, <laughs> we we've ever gotten. Yeah. On a, on a on a Snicktoons. <laughs> oh yeah, we are. We're here to talk about um, <laughs> X Men the animated series. <laughs> We were talking. We were talking about our our '90s childhood X Men stuff, and somehow we're we're on Soprano. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so what do you say, Brad? Do you want to jump into uh, into our episode breakdown then? <laughs> Let's do that. Cue cue the music. All right, bub. So we are here to talk about Red Dawn, the mid 1980s Patrick Swayze vehicle, starring some what high school kids fighting some commies. Um, I didn't come prepared for this. Hold on, <laughs> we're reviewing a 1980s film. Oh, oh, my mistake. My notes were incomplete. Okay, this my bad. We are here to talk about X Men: The Animated Series, season two, episode four. Red Dawn, not to be confused with the Patrick Swayze movie. So this episode was written by Francis Moss and Ted Peterson, and it debuted November 13th, 1993. Uh, so, Brett, before we jump into the episode, let me ask you about the real Red Dawn, because I've actually never seen that movie. Um, oh, really? And I know that that seems like a sin, right? It's like a 90s kid should have seen a mid-80s action movie for sure. It's never yes. one that ever kind of fell into my lap. So tell me about it. I, I know that it's like it takes place at a high school or something, and there's like <clears throat> communists or like Russian soldiers invaded this town. Tell me. Well, you've it was, seen it, right? yeah. It was 1984. So, yes, that is the plot of most movies around that era. <laughs> um that, that had an action fair, fair. to them. Um, but no, this one, it was actually, it took it a little, a little more extreme because, um, I, now I didn't see this until later in life. I didn't see it as a kid. I think I had heard about it as early adulthood or late teens. And, um, I was like, well, that sounds awesome. I'm like, you know, um, there was, um, there was red heat with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And then there was red dawn. And at the time, I didn't even know the difference, but I'm like, all right, well, let's watch them all. So um, Red Dawn was kind of like you described it. It was like the Red Invasion. And I just feel like you especially should have seen this because this is a Colorado film. I don't know if you know that. Oh, no it was way. small town, small town, Colorado. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. <laughs> so but but that's the part of the movie that makes zero sense. Because if the Russians were to invade by air, mind you, 
Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why they would start the invasion in Colorado. That seems like an odd place to do it, um, right in the middle of the country. But hey, um, we do have NORAD here, which is the missile command for all of North America. So I'm thinking more to do with it. They have a lot of states to get past before they get <laughs> to Colorado. It's like, I don't know. I just don't see them getting that right. far. Um, but in the, the film, they literally come. It's not like they come in and just bomb the hell out of Colorado. They they parachute in like they send in paratroopers who pretty easily take over an entire town in Colorado. Um, and, and I believe it's actually happening like across the country in different different cities and, and places. Um, okay. But, yeah, the plot okay. is the Russians invade um, naturally and they the perspective you get is this small town. Obviously it's happening everywhere. The U S is being invaded. Um, but it comes out of nowhere. Like they're just having a normal day. And all of a sudden these planes start flying over Russians start parachuting in and they take over the town. And, um, a group of high school kids along with, um, one of their older brothers who is like a military veteran, um, and knows how to survive in the wilderness. They all retreat into the wilderness rather than being taken and, and controlled by the Russians. Um, so this whole town is, is taken over and it, it's, it's a, it's a police state, right? It's a Russian police state. Um, and this group of high school kids and, um, one of them's older brother, Patrick Swayze, they decide to launch their own kind of Insurrection against the the newly empowered Russians, and just through go- <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but this movie is fantastic. Um, through through guerrilla warfare and um, you know taking out small targets with like bombs and and uh, small raids and attacks, um, somehow they they subvert the invasion of the Russians and uh, save the United States. But, um, yeah, I'm surprised because they, they, they did, um, they did a remake of this in 2012 as well. Oh, no. And, um, what, what I did like about that is, um, they updated it so that it's not as dated, um, and they made it the North Koreans. Oh. They still, oh. still invade the exact same way in the exact same town. <laughs> um, but they changed that it is the North Koreans now and not uh, not the Russians. Not the Russians. Since yeah, yeah. 2012, you know, the Russians were still our friends, right? Yeah. I mean, technically, so, yeah. you know. I mean, I'll you know. tell you, um, it, the world at large doesn't have the same high opinion of this movie as I do. Uh, it actually has like a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is a rotten score, and a 53 Metacritic score. So it, 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 history has not been kind to it, but. If you could put yourself in the era, it's pretty damn cool. It sounds. I might have to watch it just like as a as an homage, you know, for for this episode yeah. and the title and everything. Just obviously, they took the title of this episode from that movie and, and this episode itself having to deal with Soviets and, and, and Russia and things like that. So I might have to to go back and, and and watch that movie. Every friend I have, it's like, dude, you haven't seen it. It's great. So I should. I should yeah. definitely check it out. But I do know that, like, 
their school mascot was the Wolverines, right? So, like, isn't that their battle yeah. call? Like, they're always like, Wolverines! Like, so, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Pretty neat. <laughs> All right. So, our episode, Season 2, Episode 4, Red Dawn, it begins... Uh, Unlike the last two episodes where the episodes have ended with the, like, one-minute checkup on Charles and Magnus, as he's known in this mm-hmm. show, uh, this episode actually starts with it. It gets out of the way to get on to, like, the major plot points of, of this episode. So it actually starts off we, – we even see him in the river. So the last episode ended with – uh, this pterodactyl guy in the Savage Land dropping Magneto into the river and Xavier jumping in to save him. And mm. this episode starts, like, they've gone over the waterfall, they're still in the river, Eric still, or excuse me, Charles is still holding, I'm just going to call him Eric, he's holding Eric, and they, they get out of the river, and and Magneto's like, this is odd, you know, like, the, the Savage Land shouldn't be trying to kill me, or, or something along those lines. And before they could really get into it about, like, what the Savage Land is, of course, they're attacked by, like, a T-Rex, because we've seen a pterodactyl, so naturally that means there's there's T-Rexes here, too. Yeah. It's 1993, so you got to cash in on Jurassic Park, which was, yes. what, like, the highest grossing movie of all time in it, in summer of 93, you know, late summer huge, of 93. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was either that or, like, Forrest Gump, and I, but I'm pretty sure that it was Jurassic Park was the highest gross. Anyway. Uh, so you got to throw a dinosaur in here, and of course the T Rex because it's the best dinosaur. Like, I'll fight whoever says it's not a T Rex. Yeah. So T Rex, it's the best dinosaur. I mean, Velociraptors are pretty cool, but like the T Rex is the dinosaur anyway. Um, so yes. like, there's this weird little geyser, and Magneto is just like run around the geyser, like, and Xavier's like, shouldn't we run away? And, and he was like, no, it's cool, bro. I got this. And so, like, they run around in circles with this thing chasing it. And then I guess it lo- they stand still for too long because the T-Rex, like, loses them. So Xavier, uh, Magneto, th- like, chucks a rock at his head. And he's like, hey, ugly, we're yeah. over here. You know, and he, like, he gets the T-Rex to start chasing him right when the geyser explodes. And, like, through the power of hot water, they're able to <laughs> defeat this giant T-Rex and Magneto says something to, I, and I didn't write it down like an idiot, but he says something cool like, "I will, I am not so easily killed," you know, and and he, and and that's it, you know. So that the the obligatory Charles and Magneto check in is done, and we start our move or movie. We start our episode, yeah. and it starts off in the Soviet Union, or at least the former Soviet Union. You know, yeah. 1993. We're about what two years from the fall of the Berlin Wall, and and really about four years from the collapse of the Soviet Union, which was, like, you know, 89, give or take. Yeah. So we're a couple years out, and we see this town in in the former Soviet Union. It's this, you know, nice town. It's dark, the lot on it's snowy because, you know, it's always snowy in Russia. It's Russia, no, Regardless yeah. of what season it is, it's like summer, snow, winter, snow, everything else, snow. So there's these tanks, like, rolling into the town, and I like mm. how, like, we have no idea what's going on. We're just like, why are, no, like, why yeah. are we in Russia? What are these tanks? And then it, like, it's the the scene starts to split between all these different things. So, like, we're seeing the tanks rolling into the town, and then we're in this like lab, 
And there's guys like pushing lab buttons and yeah. pulling lab levers and stuff. There's lab lights going on. And it's like kind of flipping back and forth between like the tanks rolling in and this weird science experiment happening. And then the tanks start like letting loose, you know, and like shooting buildings and stuff. And like the people are yep. running away in terror. And then finally we see this like, I don't know, like a cryogenic tube of some sort. And there's like a guy inside and he starts to yes. like it starts to melt and the dude starts to wake up and he he just like gets out of this tank and he's just like the current leaders are weak you know and like and the scene ends and you're like what the heck is going on <laughs> yeah it was a wild departure from what what we've been used to like the stories we've been seeing on X-Men of like so far we've seen like the friends of humanity in this season. Um, but the same sort of stuff in season one, a lot with the uh, mutant persecution and stuff like that. And then this is like, what the hell? Like, this is like, um, a very adult episode, like very adult theme. Like kids would have no idea what the heck was going on. Maybe kids in the eighties would have, but I don't feel like kids in the early nineties, like I didn't know when I was watching this, that I didn't get the, you know, that they were doing this Russian themed Soviet theme, like this, uh, commentary on communism versus democracy. Mm -hmm. Like what kid would get that? It was seemed way too adult. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and if, and if these action scenes, you know, and the science stuff wasn't enough, it's like, it's got this super dramatic music, you know, as all this is going down, but yeah, like as an eight year old, like I'm not, I wasn't super aware of the whole situation right. with like the collapse of the Soviet Union and all right. of these like new republics, uh, you know, in, in, were, that were like brand new, you know, like it was something yeah. I was like, I knew that there was a thing called the collapse of the Soviet Union, but like that's about as yeah. far as my knowledge of it went. Like I don't remember the the actual you know like i don't remember the fall in 89 i don't even really remember like them tearing right. down the the berlin wall in, in 91 like i was six years right. old like I, that wasn't on my radar at all so i remember just being just watching this and being like what the heck is going on like what are we doing here like and i don't think i even equated like soviet union and russia so i right. certainly wasn't thinking like oh russia colossus is russian maybe we'll right. get Col like that wasn't Something that I was thinking, the 15-year-olds that watch the show, you know, and the 20-year-olds and stuff are probably like, oh, cool. We're going to get some Colossus, and we're going to get some Omega Red, and this is going to be awesome, yeah. and we're going to get some commentary. But like, as a kid, I'm just like, dude, tanks, this is cool. Like, yeah. I'm excited about this. Uh, this whole episode, like, they we get his we get the bad guy's code name, but we never get his his actual name. I, that was just something I something I noted. Like they never said his actual name because like Wolverine was calling Sabretooth Creed, you know, the whole time they were fighting yeah. and stuff. But like he never called him like Rosevich or Arcady or anything like that when he was fighting Omega Red. Anyway, yeah, we um, got so like, that a little. Is, we got a little bit of like um, reference to his origin, mm -hmm. but like it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like who was this guy, like. Yeah, I found that interesting too. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't go into that. Like they didn't humanize him in any way. He was definitely just like a villain. No, he was a monster, Frankenstein's monster from the very yeah. beginning, and like not the misunderstood version, but like the no, bad. We version. understood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so after this, like, particularly jarring and somewhat, like, relatively violent opening for an episode, we finally go and check in on our X-Men. And we, we're we at the X-Mansion, and we see it from the outside, you know, the, the beautiful front facade of this, you know, old-style mansion and everything. And it's, you know, a quiet day. And then all of a sudden, of course, like, loud teenager Jubilee throws her skateboard down. She goes skating. The gate opens. She's all running out of town and everything's popping her bubble gum and everything all loud like an obnoxious teenager would. Um, and, and she skates into town. She, she goes to stop at, like, the quick stop. Um, mm. And inside, she comes – well, before she even goes inside, there's, like, some anti-mutant graffiti, which – I didn't realize that her her firecrackers, you know, her firework powers could like erase graffiti off of a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. I'm like, wait, is that something it can do? That's very strange. That's a strange I use of that, that power. I want to see it pop up in the comics and just like don't explain it or anything, or even mention that it's a throwback to this one random episode. Just like send Jubilee on like a random mission and then have her just like scrub off a bunch of graffiti. And people will be like, what is what? <laughs> yeah, they'll be at an issue where she's like um, sentenced to community service, and like that's all she's used <laughs> for is removing graffiti. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like this. That was weird, but whatever. Like it's fine. So she goes inside the the little quick. It, it doesn't. It's not called a quick stop. I'm, I'm referencing right. something else, and I'm sure you know. Um, so yep. she goes in, and of course, there's like. Uh, like it, it wouldn't be a '90s convenience store without like the racist reference of like the Indian guy behind the counter. Of course, yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. Come on, like, yeah. give him a line at least. Like, let him say something cool. But like, he's just there to get victimized. So I, I, I felt bad because yeah. it was like, of course, like they're gonna throw like a dude with a turban behind the counter. Like, ugh. oh well, whatever. It's it was the '90s. They didn't know any better. It was. Yes. <laughs> No, they did. So, <laughs> they didn't care. They didn't care, yeah. you know. Right. They, did, they yeah. didn't complain, so that, so no one cared. Yeah. Um, so she goes in, and, like, there's members of the Friends of Humanity, and they're there, like, roughing the guy up. Like, we don't want no muty lovers around here and and all this stuff. Um, and, and so she's like, why don't you guys pick on someone your own size, And which is hilarious because they're all twice as big as, as she is because she's, like, a, a mm-hmm. 15-year-old girl, you know. Uh, but, you know, she, she eventually – gets the better of a couple of them, but unfortunately, you know, she's just outnumbered. And so her and the convenience store owner operator guy, they're like kind of cowering behind the, uh, the counter as like these friends of humanity are like going to throw, I don't know, lead pipes at them or something. And they say something like, let's take the mutant out. And then at that point, like our guest star comes in. And so since, since you're our guest star, Brett, why don't you introduce this episode's guest star? Yeah, so and this is what I thought was interesting is um that they did a whole episode on the Soviet Union and Russia and what's going on there, but we get we get Colossus showing up in America. Not we don't travel and find him in in the uh former Soviet Union. We see him show up in a convenience store in America. I thought it was kind of interesting um that they did that. It was like a what a coincidence. That this is going on and this is going on at the same time. I feel like last time we saw him, because we saw him in one episode in season one, and I thought yeah. at the end of that episode he was like, I'm going back to Russia. Yeah. So so he went back to Russia and then like the so like, you know, Soviet loyalists have taken over the country. He probably couldn't just go to the airport and hop on a flight. 
And yet he somehow manages to get to America and show up like at the convenience store right when Jubilee is about to be, you know, hate crime yeah. by the friends of humanity. So that yeah. worked out. <laughs> like, he also he, left, it, he, he also left Ileana behind in Russia. <laughs> you know, that's I don't know. <laughs> like it. Great guy. It's thousands of miles away. It's like a 12 to 14 hour flight if you somehow get a direct flight and that's like into LaGuardia. So then you'd have to go up into upstate yeah. New York somehow um, in like in what in five minutes. Like he, you know, like he left yeah. Ilyana in the in the and we'll get there later. But like he left her in the rubble of his house for how long? Like 48 hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I do like this. Um, they're throwing stuff at Jubilee when he first walks in. He's like, oh, so we are to play catch. And he like picks them up and mm. like starts chucking the, the friends of humanity guys. Uh, so naturally they all run away because, you know, it, it's one thing to pick on like a, a teenage girl when, when you got five dudes. It's a whole different thing to pick on like an eight foot tall, completely metallic, super strong, Mutant, yeah. when all you have is like beer bottles and stuff to throw at him. So the Friends mm -hmm. of Humanity does the smart thing and, and they run away. Uh, Jubilee takes Colossus back to the X Mansion and he's like, Hey, you know, I, I need some help. There's this guy named Omega Red and he's like super bad and like he's working for these Soviet loyalists and basically they want to re, like re-enslave the country pretty much. Like they want to take all the, all the, the republics that are now you know, uh, <laughs> sovereign nations and, and, and he wants to unite them all into the Soviet Union again. And I'm just like, just like right over man. my head. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, well, that sounds bad because Colossus is a good guy and he says it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I like that he's asking, like, where is everybody? And, and Jubilee is like, oh, well, um, you know, Gene and Cyclops and Beast are off screen, you know, like they're in Washington, D.C. testifying again uh, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, because they didn't testify enough in season one. Right. So they're there again. And, and she didn't even say like where Storm or Rogue or Gambit or Wolverine are. She's just like, and the rest of them aren't here. So <laughs> like yeah. she's just like a little note, like went with Colossus to fight Omega in the Soviet Union. See you yeah, later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like magnets it up on the fridge and they just head that. out. They, they get in like the, the miniature blackbird and just fly off to, to sweet mother Russia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love it that um, Wolverine is the one that finds the note just by happenstance too. And it's like, he knows exactly who Omega Red is. And it's like, this is a big deal. We got to go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he like gets the, the letter and he gets to Omega Red. And of course he growls out the name Omega. And he squeezes like the, the note. It just like throws it on the ground and runs out. <laughs> yeah. Like no one else yeah. needs to read the note. It's I'm good enough. You know, he throws it down and and heads out. I think that's a few scenes from now uh, because there's there's definitely some like logical convenience um, mm -hmm. where you know they have plot travel plans uh, because it's like after after they go to Russia. Um, as, as Jubilee and Colossus are making their way to Russia, we go and we check back in with Omega Red. And now we see that like Omega Red has gone in and he's like attacked the members of parliament. And he's like, he's pretty much telling them like, well, you guys are useless and weak and, and I'm going to take over because, you know, you need to be ruled by an iron fist, you know, my iron fist. So here I am yeah. to take over Russia. 
I'm going to kill all you useless people because, like, I'm a bad guy. I'm not going to let you live. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I've seen enough Bond movies to know we don't let people live if we're yes. bad guys. And, yes. uh, like, this random blonde chick flies in, like, Dark Star, and she's like, hey, we were just supposed to, you know, tell him to leave. And Omega Red's like, Psh. like, I don't have time to, like, nah. I'm just going to kill him and be done with it. So then she flies out, like, oh, dear, what have we done? Um <laughs> Yeah, Which she, she puts sides pretty get, easily here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She it's like a very quick uh, crisis of conscience, and she's like, oh, this is bad. Okay. Um, yep. I like that we get absolutely no uh, backstory for her or explanation yeah. as to who she is, what she does, uh, what her powers are. She's just there. And you, we mm-hmm. get the sense that she's a superhero because she's wearing a costume, not a military uniform like these like three general guys that she's working for that were the ones that decided to thaw out Omega Red in the first place. Uh, so we at least were like, OK, she's, just, she's a Russian superhero. Yeah. But that's all we know. Uh, they ne- And they never explain. They don't even explain it throughout the whole episode. We, we never get the backstory. No. Uh, and I didn't have time after the notes to like go back and research what her group was called. Uh, but it was a it was a super a superhuman group in in Russia, and it was like her and a guy named Ursa Major who could turn into bears, and like Crimson Dynamo was on the team for a while. Um, so it's just like Russia. Oh, oh Red Guardian was uh, was a member of this team. Is it? I was gonna the, I was gonna say Winter Red Earth? Guardian. The, I always Red get Guardian. confused. Right. Well, yeah, Red Guardian's the character, but like the team, I always oh confuse the team because there's like. There's a character called the Winter Guard, I think, in G.I. Joe. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I think that they're called the Winter Guardians. But I think they're just – I don't remember what the team is called. But, yeah, Red Guardian's on it for a while. And, yeah, this Dark Star uh, character who I'm I, I'm just going to – because she's on the X-Men show, I'm just going to say she's a mutant with telekinetic powers, which kind of comes into play a little bit later. But either way. Seems right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so she comes in and realizes that like Omega Red's gone too far and that she shouldn't have allied herself with these bad guys. You know, it's yep. she was a Soviet loyalist, you know, like that's she grew up in the regime and she was part of the regime. So she thought she was doing the right thing. And now she's like, "Ooh, if this is the kind of guy that we're getting into bed with, like this is not what I yep. signed up for. So, yeah, so she's starting to have doubts. And then we, we get to see Jubilee and Colossus have have arrived. Uh, after, you know, thankfully Jubilee didn't crash, you know, Blackbird 2 <laughs> in, into the ocean yeah. like she almost did. There was some fun humor there, but let me skip over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, I mean, she, she's, she's only had like, um, what, <laughs> like training and that's it. Yeah. She, she said something like she's, she's gotten like 20 hours in the simulator or something like the that. The simulator. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is pretty good. Um, so so we finally check in and Colossus is kind of filling Jubilee in a little bit more where he's like, yeah, this bad guy, Omega Red, is kind of like laid waste to the whole country. This is my farm. You know, he attacked us here. And while he is giving Jubilee uh, his I don't think it's his origin story yet. I think that's a couple scenes later. But like he's showing her the ruins of his his farm. And as he's telling the story, we hear this little girl's voice yell like Piotr, and this little yeah. blonde girl comes running out of the um, the like the ruins of this farm. The, this farmhouse has been collapsed, and we find out that's his little sister Ilyana. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> who apparently has been uh, just hanging out in this uh, this like dis- this damaged farmhouse for a few days by herself, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I, I love too that we get the, um we get the the little flashback that you've seen in other episodes as well, like the tractor going to run her over mm-hmm. and then he has to save her. And that that might have even been I think that might have actually been in um um giant size. Like in his yes. origin story that they showed, like that was going on. Yeah. Yeah, no, d- like rip from the comics. The runaway tractor is gonna gonna run over Ilyana and he he turns into his metal form and demolishes the tractor. And I like that we we get that tied to the Soviet Union, right? Like the reason why the people in the, in in his collective like kicked him out was because the Soviet government is like, whoa, a tractor was destroyed. Like, are you guys terrorists or <laughs> yeah. like what's going on? So I like that. Like we're we're like, oh, okay, yeah, the Soviet the Soviets are bad. Like the government gives you a tractor, and if you break it, like they just assume that you're a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this is actually where we uh, where we get the note where, where where Wolverine finds the note and hops on the plane and flies over because uh, Colossus is pretty much like, well, my sister is alive, so now it's time to fight Omega Red. You know, and Jubilee's like, oh gosh, I wish the other X Men were here. <laughs> and then it cuts to New York and Wolverine finds yeah. a note and he's like, ah, Omega Red, you know. And so he I like your Colossus, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, Jubilee says her little thing like, gosh, I wish the rest of the X-Men were here. And, and Wolverine hops on his plane. Then we we go back to Russia again. And now we see Jubilee and Colossus are like outside of, I guess, like a, a gulag, you know, like a, a government prison where the mm-hmm. rest of his townsfolk are like being held captive. And so uh, he goes in and he's like he punches like a tank. I think at one point he even picks it up and like throws it and it explodes. It's awesome. You know, really great moments. And then there's like this watchtower and they're going to blast him. Right. And Jubilee comes in and fireworks it down and they're able to free all of uh, like all of the Colossus's parents and all the other townsfolk. Um, And they're finally able to to get out of there. And then. This is where we finally get like, you know, the showdown begins, right? So as mm. all these townsfolk are, are running away, uh, Omega Red shows up and he's like, uh, you know, like you shouldn't have left your sister because he's got Ilyana like in his tentacle things. And then Wolverine shows up to fight yeah. Omega Red. Do they even, <laughs> um, do they even describe what his tentacles are doing at this point? Cause I don't, I don't remember if they went into that, like what his power set is. At one, at one point later on when he's fighting the X-Men, I think he mentions that he takes their life force, but I could be projecting mm. because because right. I know that's what they do. Um, I don't know. I know that, like, if he wraps them around you, then, that, like, you, you'll glow green and then you'll be <laughs> yeah. all weak. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That might be all that they put into, into it. But yeah, so, so yeah, so he's got Ilyana and Colossus is like, you know, please let her go. And, and Omega Red's like, like, I don't got time for that. Like, I'm going to kill her. Omega Red is really bad. <laughs> he's a really bad dude in this. He obviously yeah. doesn't, he doesn't throw out the K word, you know, cause that's Fox kids. It probably says something like, I'll destroy you or whatever. Uh, and yeah. so yeah, Wolverine shows up and he like slashes him a couple times and, and Omega Red's like, uh, like, you forgot about my armor, <laughs> like dummy. Like you know that your claws yeah. are no match. That's our, I think that's our um, 
introduction to the carbonadium, right? Like that's yes. the first time we ever get that reference, and it's like, oh, even adamantium can't cut this. This is crazy. Yeah, because like up to this point, we're like, oh, adamantium, like it cuts cuts everything. It cuts the sentinels. It cuts uh, all the stuff in the danger room. You know, it cuts all the doors mm-hmm. and everything. And then yeah, that's what Omega Red does throw out the the carbonadium. He's like, you forgot about my carbonadium armor. Like you can't cut through there. Uh, and then Colossus drops a tank on Omega Red, and it's enough where, like, the so at that point, you know, the villagers are able to run away, and then, uh, like, he picks up Wolverine and kind of, like, the, they all, all the good guys are able to escape. Um, so then from there, we actually get, like, Wolverine's history with Omega Red. So because he, he explains yeah. to them, like, I've been fight, you know, I fought Omega Red a long time ago before either of you were born. When I thought that was really cool because it was like, ooh, yeah, like they're they're, yeah. they're telling us how old Wolverine is. This is cool. And then like, we get like a quick, just a quick little flashback where you see Captain America really quick. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, they're showing like how they how they made Omega Red, you know, and it's like they've got this like lab equipment and it has like the vitals of like Captain America. And then it kind of pans over and you see they're making Omega red and Wolverine's like, you know, he was the Soviet, you know, super soldier. I don't think he he doesn't Mm -hmm. use those words. Uh, But I like that. We also get like in this flashback too, we actually see Wolverine fighting Omega red and uh, Maverick is there, which, which is super cool because in the comics is like X-Men, number four or something like that. It's like X-Men four through eight. So it's volume two is the very first mm-hmm. issue after Claremont leaves, uh, where Jim Lee and I forget who the writer was that they brought in for adjectiveless X-Men. I know that they put John Byrne and Wills Portacio together on uncanny. And like, I feel like it's, it's the one dude whose name I'm drawing a blank on who did like X-Force and De- Fabian Nicieza. Maybe they had him writing this with like co doing the co story with Jim Lee, but this was like the last Jim Lee arc. And it was mm-hmm. the, the series that introduced Omega red and Maverick. So I loved getting that Maverick was the one Reen, you know, years ago taking out, Omega Red. I thought that was so cool. I just I love little cameos like that that they put into these into these episodes, especially all the like yeah. random Weapon X characters that we get. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you noticed um last on the last episode because I just caught it in the the recap before, but like when Morph is changing in everyone and he changes quickly into Deadpool and Omega Red like really quickly. Yes, but I always love scenes like that. Where, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, just little stuff like that, or even like in back in season one, like in the very first episode where they have all the different like monitors, and on the monitors there's like Cannonball and Domino yeah. and stuff, and you're like, whoa, hey, cool, like, yes, I've seen that guy, I have him on my trading card. <laughs> yeah, or like when you're watching the 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 very first X Men film and you see like Remy LeBeau on one of the the monitors in the background, <laughs> you're like, oh, he's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's good stuff, dude. Like, I just, I love, I love stuff like that. And this show, like, they put so much 
into this. It's all because of Larry Houston, the guy that was the, like, that directed all the episodes. Directors, yeah. The, the actual physical stuff that was made, you know, so, like, obviously the animation was in a studio overseas, but, like, the director was kind of the one that would make sure that that was all up to code. And so when they needed to put characters yeah. in, like, Larry Houston was the guy that they went to, and they were like, hey, we need, like, six characters to fill this scene. What should we do? And he's like, oh, you know, this character and this character and this character, you know. Like that was him, yeah. like putting all that stuff in there. So that was very, that's very cool. But like, it's every episode. I just, I love, I love those cameos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's always deep cuts too. It's always like people yeah. that only like the comic book heads would would recognize. Like, it was never someone mainstream, or that you had seen in a previous episode. They would just drop in random people. Right. Yeah, it was like on the Slave Island episode, and they had like Sunfire and Feral. I mean, like these are like two. Like relatively yep. obscure characters, you know, they always just th- did such great stuff with that. So yeah, I love this this little, and, and it wasn't even like super long or like super action packed or anything. It was just Omega Red versus Wolverine and Maverick, and, and where they're at, like Jubilee's got like a first aid kid, and she's like wrapping up Wolverine's ribs and stuff. And then the the rest of the X Men arrive, and by by the rest of the X Men, I mean like you know the Gold Team, Storm and Gambit and Rogue arrive. Um, in the Blackbird, and they're like, Jubilee, and this is like the one moment that Storm kind of sucks in the whole show, because the first thing she says to Jubilee is like, Jubilee, you are not supposed to leave. <laughs> it was like, shut up, Cyclops. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody's got to fill his his, his uh, void. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I have to call attention to this real quick, because I don't know how many times this has happened so far, but I know it happens a lot throughout the series where Wolverine's shirt is completely removed, but his mask is fully intact. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And, and you get the idea through other times where you've seen where his like cowl is down that it's attached to the shirt. So I don't know how this is happening over and over again. <laughs> it's kind of like a zip. He just like zips it off or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so storm and Rogan Gambit arrive. And, and as they're, they're there. We we cut to the Soviet guys. Dark Star comes in one last time. She confronts them. She confronts Omega Red, and she's like, "I didn't sign up for this." And she leaves. Then we see Omega Red's forces attack the X Men and and all the the townsfolk that are gathered like in the woods. So they're bringing it to the X Men. I guess that's they've they've pretty much conquered it, and now they just have to beat this band of heroes, uh, and 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 they'll you know be controlling the, the Soviet Union. So he comes in and uh, he's fighting all the different X-Men. He kind of goes through them like one at a time. Like he he beats Jubilee, he beats Gambit, he beats Rogue. And then eventually Darkstar kind of shows up and, yeah. and and she's like, hey, you know, you." she goes up to Storm and she's like, hey, you control the weather, right? Uh, it, shouldn't we freeze him? And Wolverine's like, yeah, you know, last time we fought him, that's how I beat him. And Colossus is like, yes, you can, you can freeze him. I'll hold him. Uh, and, so, and that takes us to like the the finale moment, right? Where like Colossus is holding Omega Red, and Storm is is bringing all the ice and snow down to freeze him. And then Darkstar uses like telekinesis, I guess, to like hold Omega Red in place. And mm-hmm. she pulls Colossus out because Colossus is like, kill us both, you know, like I'll sacrifice myself to defeat this guy. So she uses her telekinesis. She pulls Colossus out, holds Omega Red there. Storm freezes him. Colossus says like, hey, thanks. You saved the day. And then the X-Men go yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a nice little like, um, you know, open and closed 
episode, like standalone. Yeah, dude, super linear, like super tight. Uh, I, I loved all the, the extra time travel <laughs> that these characters were clearly able to do and like showing up yeah. at the right time and all that. But I mean, like all, all, all this said and done, like it's a really fun episode. Really yeah, quick. I think episode. I think it's super strong episode. Like I, I would put it up there with one of my favorites of, of the series. Um, I think I, I was so glad because when we first said we were going to do this, and you said it was Red Dawn, I was mixing that one up with the other Omega Red episode where he comes back again, and they're on like a, a submarine, mm-hmm. and I don't really like that episode. Like I don't think it's nearly as good. Um, no. And so I was picturing that, but then I started watching this one, and I was like, oh, this is so much better. You get, like, the background. You get to see the super soldiers in the past. You get to hear about Wolverine's origin with him, and I thought it was really good. And, like, all the Soviet stuff, the like, the the post-Soviet Union stuff and, like, trying to like, reconquer all of the new newly formed countries from the Soviet Union, like, it was really – it was a lot. It was heavy handed. It was like, what? Are, no one gets this that's watching the show. But as an adult watching it, it gives you a little something extra. I liked it. I thought it was a really strong episode, especially in light of like today's world, like not to get into into, you know, current events and, and, and current things, but with what's going on with Russia and, and the Ukraine and stuff. So it's yeah. like, wow, you know, like I, I keep talking about how this show is is so relevant to today because of the mutant metaphor and all of that stuff. But like even this one random episode has like relevance today because here's this episode yeah. dealing with like this evil guy who wants to put the Soviet Union back together and and yeah. now we have not again not to get it too into detail on current events, but now we have, you know, possible Russian aggression towards a former member of the Soviet Union, you know? So right. it's like Oh wow! Like who? Who would have thought? Like what? Twenty nine yeah. years later. Uh, yeah, the more the things change, time. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, man. Well, I, I mean, I want to keep talking, uh, but we've yeah. we've covered the episode. Um, I know it's late here. I know it's even later where you are. So is, yeah. Um, I think I think we could probably call it. Um, for my fans who perhaps have forgotten where they can find you since your last appearance on my show, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff, let them know where they can find you, and then I'll let you get back to your night, man. All right. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I uh, always enjoy coming on here, and I plan on keeping my my spot as most recurring guest appearances. Um I guess the best place would probably be Marvel Plus Podcast. Um, that's where you've been a lot, so a lot of people would know know you know me from you being on my show um but you can find that anywhere podcasts are found marvel plus podcast and if you just want to reach out to me anything else pop culture entertainment i love talking about it you can reach out on uh, instagram or twitter at real brett scott all right brett well thanks man for for coming back and and yeah i think i've got some vacancies even for the end of this season so uh yes I'll definitely have to let you know, and, and we'll definitely have to get you scheduled at least one more time, maybe even twice before this season even ends, so that you can have you know a nice head start going into uh, to season three. Yeah, I want to put a buffer in there. <laughs> I want to make sure. All right, yeah. thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Brett.
So that does it, Bubs. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Brett as much as I did. And what a fantastic episode of X-Men, the animated series. So season two, episode four, Red Dawn. Always a lot of fun to talk Wolverine and especially an episode where we have another Wolverine villain. And it's kind of become Brett's whole thing, right? He shows up whenever we have an episode featuring, you know, a brand new Wolverine villain making their appearance. So it just worked out pretty good. And as you can tell, Brett and I are practically old pals now. You know, whenever we get together and talk, we usually end up talking about our childhoods and just reminiscing about things that that we had in common, even though we grew up, you know, across the country. So it's always a lot of fun to have him on. And his show is currently in between stuff right now because Marvel Plus breaks down all of the Disney Plus MCU related series. So right now he is waiting for the Moon Knight series to drop. Uh, And we recently uh, covered Hawkeye. So I appeared on one of the episodes for that series. And then I returned for his roundtable episode. And it was a lot of fun getting to talk with Brett and all the other guests that he had on for that episode. So, Bubs, if you are listening to this podcast, it's because you like Wolverine and you like the X-Men. And if you do, chances are you also like other Marvel stuff, probably the MCU. So if you like the MCU and you've been following along with all of the Disney Plus shows, make sure you go over and check out Marvel Plus. Bubs, if you like the show and want to keep the conversation going... You can find me on Instagram at TalkinSnicked, or you can reach out to me via email, TalkSnicked at gmail.com. Stay tuned to the very end of this episode and check out the track Back from the Dead, an original piece of music by Retcon X, inspired by the return of Wolverine. Until next time, bubs.